Hey, like Matt said, if, if we haven't met, my name's Stanley, um, and it's, it's fantastic to have you in church. We've got a, a whole bunch of people who are uh, new or pretty new. Uh, in fact, we've got a big lunch today for those who are new, so it's so cool to have this community just continuing to grow, and for, um, for Rach and I, it's just such a pleasure and, and privilege to be part of the journey. Um, and uh, this morning, I want to I want to do uh, something a little bit different to what I've done the last couple of times that I've, I've spoken here, and uh, I want to look at a particular book uh, within the New Testament, just one of the, one of the little nuggety um, books within the Bible that is nice and quick and short to read, um, and actually on kind of face value of it, you're kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird that that's included, but okay. But when you stop and kind of dig down into it, there's some great gems. And actually tying into what we just watched with Christchurch, if you really look at what's going on in the story, it raises some really significant questions. Uh, and so this morning, I, I want to talk to you about Philemon, or Philemon, or Philemon, or Philemon. Can we disagree on that? Okay. Any scholars in the room? You say, oh, man, I'm not going to listen to this guy. He's got to pronounce it. You know, if you go on Google... And, uh, and you ask them, how do you pronounce Philemon? There are differing views. <laughs> anyway, so we're going to talk about Philemon and, um, and some, of the, some of the questions that, uh, that come out of it. So I've just kind of called this, this little speaky bit, uh, the courage to ask. Because again, when we read scripture sometimes, we can gloss over things. Um, but I think there's an encouragement for us in, in it as we dig into it to be asking some of the key questions that God is wanting us to ask. It's the reason why he's actually got it in the, in the Bible in the first place. So if you've got your Bibles with you or if you're on your phones or whatever, it's about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament, uh, so back towards the end of the Bible, and it's a, a, just a, a literally a one-chapter uh, book, this uh, book of Philemon. So before we actually read it, what, what I want to do is uh, just explain a little bit about you know, what's going on within the story. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to, we're actually going to take each of the key characters who are in the story and look at some of the key questions that might kind of come up for them. All right? Uh, so uh, let's pray, and then we'll jump in. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for how it draws us, how it calls to us. Like we were just singing earlier on about your love running after us. God, we thank you that as we read your word, there is something in it that draws us and calls us and runs to us to declare this is who God is. And so, Father, as we just focus on this little wee patch of scripture within your word, Father, just enliven it to our hearts. Just bring something to the surface in there that's, that's useful and good for us, Lord God. No matter how challenging it may be, Lord God, may we absorb it into our worlds and walk forward with it. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said? So this book of Philemon is a, is, a, is a letter. Paul writes lots of letters, obviously, within the Bible, but it's a really personal little letter. So he goes from something that's quite kind of, ta- um, kind of general, um, and he brings it into something that is really, it's got a high personal cost uh, attached to it. And actually, for all of the characters who are involved in this little story of Philemon, there is a lot of cost if we really ask the questions. And indeed, for you and I, as we are to read it, there is this challenge that comes to the fore, that comes through it, some big questions to ask. So Philemon, 
general context here is that uh, he is writing, uh, Paul is writing to Philemon, who lives in Colossae, present-day Turkey, okay? Um, and uh, he, is, he has a wife, Apphia, and son, Archippus. Uh, he's evidently quite a financially successful man. He's got some significant standing within the community. That's why Paul's writing to him. And he's, he's writing this letter, Paul, because there is a real problem. There is a very real issue that he's dealing with right at the, at the moment. Onesimus, all right? Onesimus, who was a slave owned by Philemon, has come to faith through Paul's ministry and has been uh, a helper to Paul while Paul's been in prison. He has been someone who has come alongside uh, Paul while he's been in a, in a very real uh, needy state. And he's done something for Paul that he never did for Philemon. What he did for Philemon is he ran away. He was, now, there's a little bit of context here just in case you're worried about this. Slavery, all right? It's like, um, it's like you or me owning a TV or a car. Okay, just given the context, not now, <laughs> okay, given the context of the story that we're looking at, you know, having a slave was as, as normal as we might have a car or a TV. It's something that they would see or to, they'd struggle to see how life would exist without having slaves, all right? So putting that to the side for a moment, here is the slave that Philemon has, and he runs from Philemon, and probably he takes with him some food, some money. He's left in a really poor state, right? He's gone. He's exited from Philemon. Then he comes and finds Paul somehow. He comes to faith through Paul. He comes and puts himself alongside Paul and says, Paul, I want to help in your time of need. So he's doing something for Paul that he never did for Philemon, and Paul is asking that Onesimus would be invited back into the community where Philemon is. Currently, he's in Ephesus. He's in a distant place. But he's asking, Philemon, would you accept Onesimus back? But here's the kicker. Not as a slave, but as your equal brother in Christ. In the rules of the day, Philemon had every right to execute Onesimus. Here was the slave, disappeared from him. And Paul could have been in serious hot water for looking after the slave that had run away. So when you look at this little story, there's a bit of tension that's going on, right? <laughs> Spoiler alert, um, he is accepted back. Sorry, to, you know, just, oh, okay. So in Colossians 4 verse 9, we read, referring to Onesimus, that he's a faithful and dear brother. And there's no backstory, and it's clear that he is invited back, accepted back, reconciled back uh, into the community. So there is a good end to the story, but you've got to take a step back. They didn't know that. They didn't know the end of the story. Okay, I want to read to you. Uh, Philemon, there's only one chapter, so we're picking up in verse 4. I'm just going to have a few of the key um, verses come up on the screen for us, hopefully. 
I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Remember, this is Paul writing to Philemon. Because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding for every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So Paul here, he's building him up, right? He's, he's, he's encouraging him. He's reminding Philemon of the partnership that they have together in the gospel. And it's a partnership that's just about to be very sorely tested. Then in verse 8, Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son, while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And I love this little verse in verse 12. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Isn't that a great phrase? Who is my very heart back to you. That, that partnership that Paul has just been talking about with Philemon, he, he, he now has with Onesimus. He, he had the same sort of relationship, Paul and Philemon. Now he has it with Onesimus, like a father and a son relationship. He kind of he skips forward from there and he goes on and kind of persuading Philemon to do what he thinks is right, in almost kind of like a playful sort of way. Uh, but obviously there's a really serious undertone to it. And then we pick it up in verse 15. Perhaps the reason he was separated for you for a little while was that he might, uh, he might ha- you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. That's that, you know, that equal footing. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this letter with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Just a little. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I do wish, brother, that I might have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. You know, Paul puts his name on the line, doesn't he? He puts his neck out for this guy Onesimus that he would be welcomed back. He believes so strongly that he's prepared to be the one to help bridge that gap and to do anything and everything that he has within his power to make that possible. And here we have this this beautiful picture of reconciliation, of, of restoration taking place within these main characters and within this community. 
It's personal, you know. It goes beyond just a general sort of concept of, you know, no, uh, no slave or free, uh, Jew or Gentile. You know, it's, it's beyond just a, a nice little cutesy phrase. It's like, whoa, okay, this has got some serious cost attached to it. And I can just imagine, you know, that for each of these main characters in the story, there's got to be some pretty serious questions which are being asked in this time. And if we find ourselves in similar situations, obviously not with a slave, uh, but if we find ourselves in similar situations of attempting to reconcile in some way to somebody else, when somebody's wronged us, uh, when we can see that there is something not right and it needs to be made right, you know, some of those big questions that come up for us as well, just as it comes up for these guys who are involved in this, in this story. You know, community doesn't just magically happen, hey? You know, I mean, even in the room at the moment, there's bound to be a bit of conflict going on. <laughs> Don't put your hands up. <laughs> Eyes straight ahead. You know? It's like if we're going to be a really functioning, fruitful, healthy community, you know, like, you don't just bury your heads in the sand, you know, like there's some stuff that needs to be reconciled. Take it broader than that into your own family life, into your own workplace, into just doing life with other people. There are times and situations where stuff like this actually happens, and the Bible has this beautiful way of actually inviting us into the story to inspire us and direct us and show us about what real community looks like, about what real reconciliation, restoration, what it actually really looks like. So for Paul, here's this Apostle Paul putting his neck on the line. His own reputation is at high risk here. But he has this kind of undergirding statement, doesn't he? You know, I believe in you. I trust you. I've got your back, Onesimus. It's like when um, someone says, oh, hey, you know, do you happen to know a good electrician or a good plumber or a good builder or a good mortgage broker or, you know, and so you recommend someone or, or maybe there's a job opportunity and because of your recommendation to somebody else, somebody gets employed. And then that somebody, you know, you are really hoping You've put your neck on the line that when that electrician gets called, that plumber gets called, that builder gets called, man, I hope they do a good job. <laughs> you know, because there's something of you, there's a, there's a vulnerability that you've put your neck on the line to recommend somebody else to go and do it, right? But deeper than this, Paul describes his relationship with Onesimus like that of a father and son. Uh, Elizabeth Stone, who's an author, puts it this way. To ha- I'm sure a lot of us can identify with this. To have a child is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside of your body. <laughs> now, I know that we've got you know, children at all various ages and stages here. But you know, like there's just, it, it, it makes me think of, in, in our context, it makes me think of like um, ballet recitals and uh, assemblies and, you know, watching, watching my girl on the, on, the sport, on the sports field playing soccer and stuff. You know, like it's this kind of sense like um, 
Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ella had, a, had an assembly, so uh, they, about once a term, each class has a turn of taking assembly, uh, and so within that, they'll have different roles to do within the class and everything, and so her particular uh, class had chosen to do a series of poems. She was reading a poem with another one of her classmates, and so, of course, behind the scenes, there's a bit of gentle encouragement from mum and dad kind of going on the way, but then there I am sitting as a proud parent, you know? And you've got this little bit of vulnerability that's going, that's going on. You want your kid to do well. But there comes this point in time when you realize, you know what, I'm just in the audience. You know, like, I can't do anything. <laughs> there comes a time when, when they step forward, when they have to go and do whatever it is that they're, you know, doing in that moment. And so in this particular little example, you know, Ella did great, that was fine, she presented confidently and stuff, and it was like, yeah, you know, good success. But still, you know, just in, in terms of that relationship, you know, there's something that you, that you have walking on the outside of you, this vulnerability. For Paul with Onesimus, he's got to have some of those big questions, you know, how will Philemon and the others respond when Onesimus comes along? Will Onesimus hold his own? What if Onesimus lets me down? Have I taught him enough? What will happen if it all kind of goes pear-shaped? But he's secure enough to not demand a particular response from Philemon, but to pose a question that Philemon could reject, but that he trusts he won't. And there's this beautiful sort of perhaps in the NIV version anyway, at the start of verse 15, where he says, perhaps... The reason he was separated for you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Perhaps. Suggestive. You know, he's, I, I love it that Paul is, you know, he's so strong in his leadership, but he's not, he's not authoritarian, you know, like he's not demanding in that way. There is a softness, there is a gentleness, a, a, a love that comes along attached with it. Perhaps. This is what God's doing in this, situ- in this situation, no longer as a slave, but as your dear brother. And so as we reflect for us, as we reflect at some of the, the questions that might come out of this story for ourselves, I just kind of simply want to encourage us to ask the questions. So questions like, perhaps, or is there someone that God's asking me to help move forward in my world at the moment? Have I stopped believing in others because someone's let me down in the past, and so I stop putting my neck on the line for others? Does my life invite people to approach me to, to, to help move them forward? Perhaps faith in others is needed to be restored in my life. Perhaps. <laughs> you know, there's very well some people in your world that you can do something for that they don't have the control over or they can't do it. An introduction to somebody, uh, uh, a particular piece of wisdom that you've gained over years that you can help them with, that you can show them through. For Paul, he puts his neck on the line as there. Someone that we can do the same sort of thing for within our own worlds and our own lives.
Then there's Philemon, the receiver of the letter. He has this big question, this big decision to make, doesn't he? You know, does he how does he respond to Paul's request to help him restore Onesimus back into the community as a brother? You know, like I said, he has every right under the law to, to not even have the letter read, you know, to see Onesimus coming in the distance and say, hey, that's that slave that ran away from me. You know, like he 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 doesn't even need to stop and listen to the letter that Onesimus is carrying and bringing. It's not Paul. It's not Paul walking into the community and saying, hey, I've got this letter about this guy, Onesimus. Paul's in prison. And so you can just, you know, Onesimus, can you just take this letter? Just take it and, uh, you know, go back. You mean to the guy that I ran away from? You know, you know so here's, here's Philemon. What, how is he going to respond when he sees Onesimus coming into the community? Like we say, going, it's Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. Again, goes beyond a cutesy phrase. Whoa, okay, how am I going to actually bring this into reality for the here and now? The consequences for him doing this are, are really far-reaching, you know? Can I really trust Onesimus again? How am I even meant to treat someone who was once a slave? How is the believer Onesimus now useful to me in some way? If I do accept him as a brother, what am I saying to the rest of the community? Paul's asked for some help. He's put his case forward, but now it's Philemon's turn to respond, you know? And again, just raises one of those, those questions for us. You know, how do we respond? How, how, how do we take that moment where someone is asking to be restored back to us in some way? How do we react? There's got to have been forgiveness that goes on, right? You know, we, we, we hear that he is restored, so... Within that process of reconciliation, there's got to be a place where Philemon finds it in his heart to be able to forgive this guy. It just wouldn't have worked otherwise. (laughs) How do we respond when someone needs that from us? Is there someone that I need to forgive? How did I react the last time that someone let me down? Did I write them off? Never to be able to, you know, be brought back into the story again? Always seeing them in a negative light? Do I need to rebuild trust with someone? Is there a situation in my life at the moment where I need to see an equal brother or sister, even though that there may have been significant personal cost attached to it? Now, look, I, I know that this is tricky, you know? I'm not, uh, don't, don't hear me wrong in terms of kind of glibly going over, oh, I just need to forgive them. You know, that's, that can be a big process. But it's a Christian process. And again, I don't want to assume anything in here of you, but if you are a Christian here this morning, this is something that we can lead the way in. When it comes to the way that we do business, when it comes to the way that we outwork our faith in our workplaces and our families, 
in our sports teams, in our hobbies. You know, you just see it all around, don't you? You know, where there is this need for forgiveness, there is this need for reconciliation. But it's not just a uniform sort of thing that everyone does, <laughs> you know? But again, as a community that wants to be fruitful and faithful, this is part of our responsibility, as difficult as it may be at times. Is there someone, this question, the courage to ask the question, is there someone in your world, in my world at the moment, that I need to forgive? Then there's Onesimus. It's this beautiful phrase in verse 12 that we read before, I'm sending him who is my very heart, my very heart, back to you. You know, Paul has obvious confidence in the change that's occurred within Onesimus' life. He must have felt like just totally humbled by having this, this Apostle Paul's full support like that, to be believed in like that. You know, it's a, it's a gift. It's, it's really special. And it's, it, it's obviously a lot more significant than this, but it's, you know, it's like the, the job interview and, uh, and uh, an offer, <laughs> you know? Uh, I'm sure many of us, most of us in the room can remember our first real jobs, <laughs> you know, where we... <laughs> If you haven't, that's all right, it's to come. Um, but you know, you have this interview, and then someone says, yep, I'd like you to do the job. Now that's actually, this, oh, shucks. You know, you think that I can, you think that I can do that. I, for me, it was uh, Penrose High School, Paul Francham was there, leading a guidance team, amazing man, by the way. So here I had this interview, and then got the phone call. You know, like... That's a real statement of, of support, of, of someone having your back. For Onesimus, though, it must, have been, it must have been a terrifyingly powerless sort of moment as well, though, right? <laughs> Where he really has done wrong, and he has no idea how Philemon is going to respond back to him. He doesn't know if he's going to even get a chance to read the letter to Philemon. Will he be accepted back? Can I live up to Paul's expectations of me? Again, like for us, when we realize that we've done wrong in a situation, in a, in a relationship, and it's our turn to go and seek that forgiveness, to say sorry in that moment. There's, there's a, a, a sense of we can't control how that other person is going to respond, can we? You know, Within a marriage or within a close friendship or, or, or a colleague at work or whatever, you know, when we just realize that we've done something wrong and it's like, oh, you know, that was dumb, Stanley. That was really dumb. I need to go and just say sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness here. I need to repent. <laughs> Repentance get a bad, gets a bad rap, right? You know, like we hear these uh, bad stories of like, you know, the way that they used to preach, you know, repent, repent. Repentance. Repentance is a beautiful word. 
It's an incredible word that we have the ability to come to God and to repent, to ask for our forgiveness, ask for forgiveness. You know, like it's the key difference between doing this with someone and doing this with God is that we do know the character of God. So, so Christ does for us what Paul did for Onesimus. You know, and, but we do know the response, the reaction of God. We do know that God's heart is full of grace and mercy, that as soon as we come to God and say, God, I've stuffed up again, there is this acceptance. I tell you what, if you've never done that before, it's such an incredible thing to do. To live free and whole. Doesn't mean that life's all perfect or sorted or all your problems go away, but yet there is something in that rhythm of repentance that we can actually have with God. I want to encourage us to ask some of those big questions this morning. Do I need to seek forgiveness from God or from someone? Is God challenging me to go back to make a relationship right? Am I living in a way that shows that I've actually grown from my mistakes? Do I need to go to God, go to someone to seek? You see, you just thought it was a nice story, right? A nice little letter that, that, that Paul writes to find, man, there's some grunty, gritty stuff in here, right? <laughs> and I guess kind of as I just sort of wrap us up this morning, I, I, I guess I'm really, I, I'm really asking the question, is there a particular character in this story that you feel drawn to? You know, that for you in your world at the moment... There's something going on that is like, ah, oh, you know, like I could really take something from Paul. There is really someone in my world that I could stick my neck out for again and help them move forward in some way. Or, or, or maybe it is this Philemon character that, I, that I'm drawn to. Oh, yeah, I know. There's someone in my world at the moment that's, I need to, I need to forgive them. It could be a long-term thing. It could be something that happened yesterday. Is there this need to extend forgiveness to someone else? Or, or do you feel like Onesimus? Somewhat sort of powerless in a way, but recognizing that there is something that you need to make right. Maybe that's with another person, you know, a, 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 just a relational thing. Or maybe it's with God. 